1: Mr. Fryer, let's duck, duck, go.
0: Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on
2: Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Can you dig it? Can you dig it?
1: So, I hit up Pete Futek yesterday and was like, hey, man, would you mind coming on to the show? Because I wanted to talk with him about the Big Ten maybe going to NBC, transfer portals, what the hell's going on down in Tempe, Arizona. Everyone's leaving and everyone's in trouble. And then he had the news today of the fact that the college football playoffs – is not going to expand the way people thought it might. Not only is it not going to expand, it's not going to expand for five years. At least. So, I read the piece on collegefootballnews.com, which is where you can find Pete Futek's work, and he was nice enough to join me on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. <laughs> Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Mr. Futek, is good to
2: talk with you, sir. It has been entirely too long. By the way, it, you remember from the Silver Chalice day, SkyPoint, you're about to get a memo. It ain't college football playoffs. It's playoffs. off. You, you, you're, you have to have that hammered in. Otherwise, you're going to get you know, the TPS report coming around saying from about five different people saying, no, no, there's no S on this. Make sure you're on brand with all this. with our partnership.
1: You're right. I should also say Stanley Cup final. With no S yes. as well. that Just to make sure, because you don't want to get that and you also don't want to step on an emblem that uh, a hockey team puts on the floor in the middle of a, a dressing <laughs> room while people are trying to crowd around lockers. But that's besides the point. That's not why you called. What happened
2: here? Why is there not being an expansion? All right, start with this. There can be an expansion. This is This is just kind of how it works. If you remember how... We were never going to have a, a real college football national championship. No chance will never happen over heaven. And then we get the BCS championship all of a sudden out of the blue. There was actually a, a memo or a, a press release that came out at one point saying, we can't have a college football playoff because of the bowl system. We have sick kids and the troops and we have all these different things we're working with here with the bowl system. And then all of a sudden we had a college football playoff. This can change quickly. So. For right now, they are tabling this for four-ish years or so from now down the road, mainly because all the conferences can't quite figure out how this works. It's mainly the ACC right now that's the sticking point, mainly because they kind of lost out on the expansion thing, and we don't know how the world's going to work three years from now. The SEC is not going to stop with its world domination expansion ideas, and the Big Ten has been eerily silenced so far when it comes to the expansion life. So where are these two conferences, if they're going to go forward, where are they going to pick from? Well, obviously, geographically, the ACC makes sense for the SEC. For the Big Ten, they've always won North Carolina, and a slew of those schools makes sense in terms of the Tier 1 research uh, requirement that the Big Ten wants and market size and all that. So if you're the ACC, right now you're kind of like, let's slow things down a little bit here, because we don't want to get shut out of this thing if all of a sudden – uh, everyone comes poaching for our teams in the next two or three years. Is
1: that what Dr. Jim Phillips is doing? Slowing it down? They're not saying as much.
2: Yes, yeah, they're saying it's about the NIL and about the transfer portal, and oh, we've got all these seismic changes here, which are kind of all right. But that's that's like walking and chewing gum at the same time. This is this is actually a good proposal that was put forth before by uh, the SEC commissioner, the Mountain West commissioner. Uh, Jack Swarbrick of Notre Dame, Bob Bolsby of the Big 12, it actually is a pretty square deal where it it kind of helps everybody. If it's a 12-team playoff, the top six conference champions are in. So if this is two years ago, Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina get in. And then you get the other top top six teams according to the rankings. The problem with that, though, is realistically you would have about three or four different SEC teams, maybe in Ohio State, thrown in here or there. Uh, so if you're the ACC or the Big 12 or one of these other conferences, you're not too fired up about that. So you got that on one side. On another side, you got the Pac-12 and the Big 10, which doesn't want to give up their uh, Rose Bowl alliance. And then you've got who's g- going to make all the money out of this and how you're going to disperse of all the money. And you got a whole mess at the moment. So at the moment, it's going to slow down. But don't be shocked if this picks back up again really quickly.
1: Pete is also joining us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash chicago The Score, if you would like to see – his hat, and everything else that he's got going on
2: <laughs> uh, in, in the background. It, you, com- could the, you could have the Guy Fieri Flavortown banner behind me, but I thought I would go
1: this way on, today. For hey, man, uh, Guy Fieri goes out there and helps restaurants. So, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not does. mad at a Flavortown sticker in the back of anyone's shot. So, I'm, I'm here for it. It seems to me, Pete, that college football has a really interesting history of holding on to traditions, and strangely enough, maybe even costing themselves money, and then being like, oh, wait, there there's this faucet of money that we could just turn on if we decided to do it? I'm surprised that the capitalism didn't win out in this situation, or is the capitalism the thing that's keeping it from happening?
2: It's the funked-up way that college football does things because they could have done this a long time ago they've left so much money on the table but the problem now is all that money where does it go if again how are you going to disperse this if you're the sec and you get say four teams into the college football playoff and the new world of the big 12 without texas and oklahoma gets a random oh i don't know oklahoma state who goes in and gets one and done how are you going to be the if you're the big 12 you're saying where's our money if you're the acc And, okay, Florida State's not back to normal. Miami's not really back to normal yet. And Clemson might be a little down. If they only get one team in, how do they get the money out of all this when the Big Ten probably has, you know, an Ohio State, maybe a Wisconsin and a Michigan in this thing? So the problem is how do you divvy up that pie? And to your point, one of the big sticking points is all these conferences and all these commissioners at their core are bowl people. They're something that they love. About the idea, if you're if you're a, uh, an athletic director and your team wins the blah 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 bowl, people are happy, good warm fuzzy feelings. You go into the off with the win, coaches get an extension, everyone's you know happy, happy joy joy. So if you have forty bowls, you have forty bowl winners. You have a college football playoff, especially a twelve team expanded one, that diminishes the bowl system. So part of this whole problem is how do you do this college football playoff that gets expanded within the current bowl system? Because part of the problem now is if you do this, what happens to these other minor league bowls? Well, you can still have them. Uh, and the problem that we're running into, and I think it's going to be even a bigger problem going forward, is as we saw this year and even in two, 2020 with the, uh, the teams that couldn't go because of COVID, you see how, just how disposable some of these bowl games are. Oh, my gosh, we can't have a holiday bowl. All right, whatever, you know, keep on going. And you're seeing players opting out. If you have an expanded college football playoffs, you're not seeing a Kenny Pickett opt out of Pitts in this thing, and you actually make this thing better. But in terms of the revenue, it's just about how you distribute it across the board.
1: Why are we seeing this flirtation between the Big Ten and NBC, and why isn't CBS doing more to try and replace the SEC with the Big Ten?
2: I don't know. Uh, there's, it's so weird right now in terms of does and uh, do networks matter? And it's a kind of an overarching sports thing. As you're seeing the argument night now, for example, with the Olympics, which is getting like me and like five other people who actually watch this thing on TV, but they are claiming that they're getting pretty good viewership from other aspects of this. So it's not just will it be on NBC, will it be on ESPN, will it be on the. Will the Big Ten be able to be a part of, say, a bigger overall package where they are on different, different platforms, different streams, different ways to access it? I said this, speaking of leaving money on the table, I don't know why the Big Ten Network just doesn't say, you know what? Forget y'all. We're going to do this ourselves. We're going to have the BTN app. We're going to have Big Ten Network 1, Big Ten Network 2. And we're just going to do this all on our own and keep all the money in-house. But there's still network money out there to be had. Obviously, ESPN's still the big guy in the room who always controls the bowl system. Uh, but I think more and more, especially with the expanded SEC and expanded conferences, I think right now they're looking for leverage. And I think five to ten years from now, there's not gonna be college football on regular networks because they're all gonna be on your app. Hmm. That's
1: interesting. I, I hadn't really thought about it that way. I mean, I know that a lot of these networks are still looking for the the bulletproof content that live sports is, which is, is part of the reason that I look at CBS and I'm like, first of all, I can't believe you let the sec go. Secondly, you should be in this thing. Like you should be in this thing, looking to try to get the big 10. It it seems like it would be a good fit for them. And they already do have a cable network that they're trying to get people's eyes to. And they do have the streaming platform with, with, with paramount plus and everything else. It just seems like it it makes all the sense in the world. and, 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 I look at them and, and it seems like they're going kind of slow with this.
2: I don't get it. I, I don't get it either. And, and we, this is really what, well, that going back to Silver Chalice and now stadium, where that was kind of the grand idea that that's where this is all going. Uh, but again, if you're the SEC or you're the big 10, you are so big and you have your own, like my argument is going back to the college football playoff for, expect, for a moment. I know you need to have everybody all in contractually but you only need that until you don't. So, like, what happens if, like, the SEC and Big Ten and Pac 12 just kind of say, you know what? We don't need ACC. We're just going to have our own little tournament here at the end of the rainbow here. We're going to do these, this way that these conferences are going to be so much bigger than just college football as a whole that they're going to be able to make their money on their own. And I think one of these conference commissioners at some point, they might, this might be the last cash grab. So, mm-hmm. if you're CBS, you might be thinking, why am I going to, send all this money right now when we're just going to probably lose them in a couple years because you're right this is it this is there are only so many things that networks will get that can get people to watch that doesn't isn't going to be on a dvr of some sort so but i don't get it either because they did go all in on soccer right now they get the champions league on paramount plus you've got you know peacock taking over half the olympics so these companies are really proactive when it comes to this But when it comes to the network, still college football people are still going to think Saturday afternoon, 2.30 or 3.30, we're going to go to CBS. Well, now it's obviously going to change. What the hell is going on at Arizona State? They got in trouble during the COVID time when you weren't supposed to have prospects on your campus. And... Uh, they did certain recruiting things that were not really in the norm at the time for what the guidelines were for the Pac 12. They were just trying to keep everything going during COVID. And the fallout from that's been massive. So Herm Edwards is losing uh, a bunch of his staff and he's losing parts of his puzzle. So now Jaden Daniels, uh, his star quarterback, is taking off. And Arizona State went from being like the IT team last year that looked like he was on the verge of becoming something special. Now, sort of being a hot mess in a Pac 12 South where USC is now going to become a thing again. UCLA is pretty strong. Utah won it last year. Arizona is rising up fast. And so now it's rough because, you know, Herm Edwards has been okay. He's been good enough to get to bowl games, but they haven't really been in the Pac 12 title hunt. And that's a prime job. And Let's see what happens going forward at Florida with Billy Napier because he was the offensive coordinator there and they passed over him for Herm Edwards and this isn't going too great. And if Billy Napier turns out to be the next big thing at Florida, that's going to be one of the big all time misfire uh, missed hires uh, when they went with Herm over Napier. What are some things that
1: we can look forward to on collegefootballnews.com? Right,
2: right, we're getting into the offseason big time now. It's still about the transfer portal because now where does Jaden Daniels go? Where does JT Daniels go? Uh, I kind of think that if you're Notre Dame, if you are a quarterback away, you look at JT Daniels and you think you're going to be something strong pretty soon. So we're going to dive really hard into the transfer portal even more. And right now, look, we're pivoting to basketball until, you know, everyone cares about March Madness for college side of that thing, too. But then it turns on the spring football, the NFL draft, and uh, never stops around here. So, so I can
1: ask you on in a couple of weeks to, to break down the, the, the tournament field for me?
2: Shockingly enough, in the weird world considering we're college football news, the college basketball March Madness is probably our biggest traffic thing of the year. It is insane how much that gets. Um, it's just, yeah, I, you know, we're we're fluent in both, you know, college you know basketball and <laughs> football here. Country and, we do country and western around here.
0: All right, so, yeah, good.
2: Can
1: do good. We will we will chat again soon about that, and I will also chat with you offline about some some house music stuff that we can get into.
2: Let's go. The flow will be better next time. The hat will not be necessary, and that would we'll go with the James Carville look. I'll, I'll have the, I'll have it out. I'll dude,
1: dude wear your, No one cares. Wear your cap. Enjoy yourself. Like that's we're 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 not asking you to put on a suit and tie. Trust me, it's all yes. Good. But you do not.
2: I I know better. You do not skip out on the swank when you're coming out with a Lawrence home. and I will represent <laughs> a little bit better next
1: time. You are my favorite, Pete. You're the best. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Absolutely. Have a good one. Man. That's Pete Futech. Of college football news it's not that weird do you know that back in the day i used to love this back in the day you know how how hub has pro football weekly there was also a part of it that was basketball news so it's not that weird to do both and they used to have a jingle they they would have we would run the show on the score and here we go pro football weekly and basketball news And when I was a young producer at the score, I'd always look forward to that. Like, here's Jim Clemens breaking down basketball for me on Pro Football Weekly and Basketball News. Y'all didn't even know that Hub had a basketball component to Pro Football Weekly, did you? Well, he did. And you know what it was called? And Basketball News. That's what it was called. Brandon, I had a moment today. Let me, I'll stand up here in the studio. I had a moment today. Um, it's weird. Because, you know, I I am someone whose whose weight fluctuates a little bit. I usually stay in like a pretty good pocket, but it's so weird. Like this sweater that I'm wearing is way too big for me.
3: What what's your size? Are you like an XL or this a large? Is,
1: this is the issue that I'm running into now. I'm usually I feel comfortable wearing a large and I usually wear clothes that are bigger than I am because I've got Crohn's and like tight pants is like a really horrible idea with anyone who has IBS like it's a horrible idea. So I usually do like big like baggy stuff and today I pulled a sweater out of my closet and I was like, yeah, this is I usually just buy a large like usually that is a pretty universal size for me and I'm like, no, this is not working anymore and I think I need to wear tighter clothes. So, I think I need to go down to medium.
3: And that's a good look though. Like they they say the tight fit, the like that's a good fit. I, I mean, come on. Like
1: let's let's be realistic. Like I'm 46. I'm in decent shape, but I'm not in great shape. But it, it it was jarring. Like I tried on two sweaters today and I was like that's that's too big. And even this sweater, which I like, it has a really good color. I think it actually pops on the Twitch. It's too big, it's it's too big. So I think I'm gonna have to get down to medium.
3: I've never worn a medium. See, I can't really tell. Like right here, it looks good. Like you Thanks. look smooth right now. Thank you. I, you know, long if you ain't wearing like skinny jeans, or anything no, like that. No, no, then... that'll
1: that'll never be a thing. Like the skinny jean thing is not really what I'm about. I'm not about that life at all.
3: You roll up in skinny jeans. I'm I don't, i do not know what to say. But
1: you know how it is, like especially what we do. You, you just kind of throw on a hoodie and you're good. But even like my suits are a little bit bigger than than I'd prefer them to be. But that's always a weird thing, too. Like when you do television, because you got like stuff connected to you and you kind of need a little bit of extra room because there's cables running up and down you and the things that are clipped on to the back of your, your suit pant. And all that good stuff. You rocking
3: zoot suits like Denzel, like Denzel, no,
1: like No, I'm I'm not out. Yes, I'm not out there like Cab Calloway in a zoot suit. I'm just saying that there's there's a fine line between like you get a suit for TV that is is tight and looks good while you're standing up, and then when you sit down, you're like, I can't keep this button button. Like that's a that's not a good look.
3: I got a few of those. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm like, up there.
1: like if you know that you're going to be at a party like you wearing a suit and you know you're probably not going to sit down, you can go with something a little extra tighter, you know, like because it's going to be button. You know, you're just styling. But if I'm over at Channel 9, like I'm sitting in a chair for a big portion of it. Why wear the tight suit? That's not good. I'm not trying to impress anybody. They seem to like me over there a little bit. It's okay. They're nice. But yeah, man, I got I might have to go into some schmediums up in here.
3: That for the in the suits, too, probably. You got to get that Steve Harvey collection. No, no. See, no. I'm not going back to
1: four-button suits. We in the black community made a huge mistake in the 90s. It was it's the ordinarily those of us in the black community we don't make a lot of fashion mistakes and a lot of times our fashion mistakes turn into fashion we made horrible mistakes in the 90s when it came to suits the four button suits because and you know why we did it because ball players look good in damn near anything you're a tall guy you can pull off a lot we saw dudes at the nba draft with four and five button suits and we're like, yeah, let's get one of those. Here's the problem: you're five nine. That looks terrible on you. So no, we're not going back to that. I'm not going to be out here in the the uh, Kings
3: of Comedy Steve Harvey suits. I mean, right now he, you know, he got the tighter suits. It's just you know, wild colors right now.
1: Yes, the wild colors are back, and that's okay. I I I don't really drift into that lane with the suits anymore. It's pretty simple for me. You used to though. You
3: used to have them loud colors.
1: In the 90s you could catch me with a plum or a mustard and that's not, that was never who I was and it's not who I am now. Pretty simple. I think every man should have four suits. If you can afford it. I get it. People, you know, you might not have but if you, four suits. Navy, gray, black, Tuxedo. Sit. And then if you want to play around like a charcoal gray, you know, that's fine. Like a dark
3: brown type of
1: look. If, if you can pull it off, some people can't. We found that out with the 44th president of the United States. Not everyone can pull off everything. But if you got those basics down, you're covered. Like whatever type of formal event you have to go to you pretty much got it covered i think navy suits look really good and black suits are weird because people they're associated with funerals so i usually like for me it's pop color in the accessories have a basic suit but pop colors with the tie and the pocket square and if you fancy like cufflinks and stuff like that I have way too many cufflinks, and I have I have tired of, you really only need, like, two or three good pair. And I kind of went through a
3: stretch where I was wearing those French cut shirts. Yeah, see, I think I only got one good set of cufflinks overall. But, see, I'm a little younger, so I ain't really suiting like that. You know what I'm into now? Now, I'm into
1: suspenders. Oh, yeah, I've been rocking those. I, I enjoy, I prefer suspenders to a belt. And I actually think that if you, again, in a party situation, like that's a better move than the belt. To me, it looks better. My guy, my guy, went RIP, Dick Johnson, when I worked with him over at Channel 5, big suspender guy. And like you'd be looking at, at, at DJs, like, damn, those are like expensive. You didn't get those off of Amazon. Like you went to like a place and they were like, here are all of the, the suspenders that we have. And you had to buy those up. I don't know how we got here. But yeah, I'm I'm actually trying really hard to not look. All of it is what I was telling Dan earlier. Like I'm trying to kind of slowly work my way back into socialization. So I'm trying not to look like a slob every time that I walk in here. And so this week, I've actually put on pants. I mean, I wear pants all the time, but like I'm not wearing sweats.
3: I just feel like when you're. Older, being an older gentleman, like that's why there's a lot of sweat pants, sweat jeans. There's even like sweat dress suits and stuff. Like a little yeah, stretch, yeah, yeah. I, I need that. A little. This is what we needed as men. We've been lying, and
1: and we need to tell the truth. We needed some pants that give you a little bit of stretch on the side, and and they can still look good. And I'm glad that there are a lot of people that are doing that now with the pant, like. You ain't here trying to get into some tight pants. You'd be like, man, this is going to be uncomfortable all night for a lot of different reasons. Looking good shouldn't have to be this uncomfortable. And then you go look over at your significant other and you go, oh, so that's what you meant. That's what you meant by all that societal pressure that we put on you to try to look good, and that's why you're doing all this stuff before we leave the house and we can't leave on time. We'll talk about DeMar DeRozan next here on The Score.
4: Lawrence Holmes,
2: noon to 2, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com
4: in Odyssey Station. I love DeMar DeRozan did not change his game. At all. He, he only improved it. Hmm. And think about a guy, I don't know how old DeMar is, but I'm sure he's in his 30s now. And to, to me, it's, it seemed like he's, he's improved on what he was already very, very good at. And so he went to San Antonio and everybody forgot about him mm-hmm. even though he was playing at an all-star level mm-hmm. and now what he's doing is just Mac is just next nah, time. I, I, I love what I see. Mufasa, hmm? you know we finally here, right? Where are we? It's Friday then and Saturday, Sunday what? Their
1: lives are That was Dwayne Wade talking about DeMar DeRozan. And then T-Mac went on to say that he should be in the MVP conversation. There've been a lot of nice things that have been said about Demar DeRozan. I would suggest that if you have not read the GQ piece on him, you really should. It's it's excellent and it gives you a glimpse into who that guy is and kind of what he's been through and how he got here and you find out it was kind of known, it was kind of it wasn't a secret. In the NBA, but he was heartbroken by the Toronto stuff. Like, it messed him up. And he talked about it in the GQ piece. I wanted to spend some time. Shout out to everyone. All the guys that are like, I really like stretchy jeans. Good for you. Do your thing. Stretchy waistlines, that's where it's at. But since there's been, this has been such a great run that DeMar has been on. And this season that the Bulls have had has been spectacular. Them being at the top of the Eastern Conference at the All-Star break, come on. Like, that's incredibly exciting. I thought that we would run through kind of what some people have said about DeMar because it helps to paint a fuller picture of what this guy has been. This is what Billy Donovan said.
5: No, he's he's an incredible... Like, I can't speak enough of you know, what he does for the group and people see the numbers at the end of games, but it's in huddles, it's halftime, it's in practice, it's keeping his composure, talking to the guys. There's just so many things that he does from a leadership perspective that really impact winning. Um, And you can, you know, see why for most of his career, he's been on a lot of really good teams, a lot of winning teams. You know, he's learned a lot from it. And I think it's also really important to him. You know, winning is, is, is important to him. And um, it's when, when you're consumed winning, you understand that there's a lot that goes into that besides what takes place in between the lines what takes place with your personal stat line, you impact the game. And I've always felt like great players make people around them better. And I think that it's the, the best compliment I can give him is he's a great player. Cause he makes every one of our guys better around them and um, around him, I should say. And it speaks to, you know, his great, that he can lift up a group of guys like that.
1: On the court, when you see DeMar, his demeanor is very cool. Like, I I was telling Goff, like, it reminds me a lot of Goff. Like, that's how he is. Like, it's just natural cool. And I think that it lends itself to people being calm around him. His game isn't frenetic. He's not frenetic, but he's moving in the direction. He is consumed by winning. That's another thing that you – you pick up when you read the piece in, in GQ about him. But the idea of him being a really good teammate, we've seen elements of it. Io Desumu was on the Bulls Talk podcast. By the way, the, you should listen to this episode. I, I'm a subscriber to the Bulls Talk podcast. You should listen to this episode. It's about Io, And there's some great stuff in there about Io, which maybe we'll get to on Monday. But since we were talking about DeMar, check out what Io said about when he got to really understand the type of dude that DeMar
4: DeRozan is. When I first met DeMar, you know, I wrote down he was, he was a cool guy, but he really didn't talk a lot. And when he came to the open gym, I remember when he was playing, I, I knew he was a killer because we were scrimmaging. <laughs> and it was like Zach, DeMar, they were on the teams and then they, we had beat them, like, one, they came back, it was, like, in the summer, we had beat them, like, maybe the second day, um, we beat them, like, probably, like, we played five games, probably, like, three to two, and then, um, I remember the next day, like, he said nobody went in the game, and, like, he just went crazy, like, made every shot, he was talking, and um, they beat us, like, I think they beat us probably, like, four to one that day, like, they killed us, it was, they, they, they won the whole day, and then I knew he was a that's not really my first impression, of knowing that he was a killer on the court. But off the court, he was always a cool guy, chill dude. He never gave me arrogant vibes. He never gave me, you know, he, he a cool vet. You know, I'm I'm actually a blessed rookie because all the vets pretty cool. I
1: think, Brandon, I got two ideas for Top 5 Tuesday. One of them is going to be about helmets, like college football helmets from this past season. We might have to do top five things you want said about you in sports like being known as a killer like that's high praise If someone be like that dude's a killer that's high praise in sports so i'm a toy with that over the weekend we might have to do like nicknames in sports that you want killer might be number one but you hear io talking about oh this dude is serious and it's also pretty clear that IO is like attached himself to the veterans on this team and especially DeMar on learning how to navigate this stuff. The Bulls Talk podcast with IO is a must listen. We're all impressed with this dude. You're going to be super impressed. He's another one of these guys that's very meticulous and hearing how he tries to interpret his life and things that he's going through. I actually found it helpful. And this is a guy that's young enough to be my son. And I was like, Oh, you know what? I could adopt some of those things and try to be better. So you have IO, you have Billy Donovan, like, obviously like those are guys that are around Demar every day. What about the TNT crew? And what about where DeMar ranks in their minds when it comes to
4: the MVP conversation? I, I put him third. That's that's not – I'm no, not putting but, him in last place. Okay, you but, gave me three choices. Embiid's been the best player in the NBA okay, this great. season. DeMar DeRozan has been the sucker best. And Giannis has been right there. Okay, so you're just saying that because the Bulls have 21 losses. The other two guys have 23. So, if – Giannis had 21 losses. He's the reason they got those wins. I'm asking a question. If Giannis had 21 losses, would you say because of his record, he's the best in the world? No, I would say this. I would say this is what makes DeMar DeRozan where he is. Oh,
3: no.
1: no, no I'm going to tell you this. Because DeMar DeRozan's a great no, player. No, but I'm saying, saying, no, get me wrong. no, no,
4: but listen to what I'm saying. Last year, that is basically the same team they had without
1: him. And with him, they are now a contender. But you a didn't contender. answer my question. They he are a contender, question. Tonight. They he are contender a question. to win it all.
4: You keep talking This was about the team they had. They had they had Vucevic at the end of last year. Seems they had Zach Levine. They were no one was thinking about them ever being seem, in the number one position. It seems to me you guys only look at record, and everybody has the a record own The record matters. Business. The record matters. Winning he's matters. Like, hey, listen. Yeah, but they only he winning game, stats. Listen, but, they only but that's not that's not the point. Kenny's point. So if Giannis had 21 games, he'd be the best the player. That's not the point. I'm saying he's the only guy they added to a team that sucked last year. Hey, I hear some music. head. Hey, hey <laughs> the boys are music starting. The Mar De reason they got the best
1: record in the East. Why is Shaq out here hating? Shaq, you don't have to play the hater role all the time.
3: Shaq had him, I think he said, like on Tuesday on TNT. I think he said he had him at number five or something like that. He in the discussion, he said.
1: Yeah, I, I I mean, he's right. I mean, if you look at the straw poll, Shaq's probably more right than the other guys are. It's just that when he makes up his mind that he's going to be an antagonist, he he will not get off of it for the next segment. When Shaq is like, "Yeah, I'm about to mess with Chuck." He don't let you get a word in, like none of that stuff. Shaq out here hating, out here shacked in a fool. But here's what—that's what they had to say about Demar. I can't tell you what's going to happen in the second. It's not even the second half. There's 23 games left in post All Star break with this Bulls team. And their schedule is rough coming out of the all-star break. I can tell you, though, I've had a lot of joy watching Bulls games this year. And DeMar is a big reason. So is Io. Like uh, watching Io develop and turn into this player has been outstanding. And it looks like Kobe White has kind of found his role. And I, I'm here for that. Kobe White, let them. Come out there off the bench and cook. Do your thing. Take your shots. Get your feet set and knock them trays down. Be that dude. I do think there are a lot of bad matchups for them in the Eastern Conference. But I've enjoyed this, and I'm not going to stop enjoying it because of what might be on the way. We take a break. When we come back, an alternative to baseball and some baseball news. Next, here on The Score.
2: Lawrence Holmes, noon to two, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station.
1: So there's a little bit of news coming from MLB and MLBPA. They made official what we kind of already knew, that spring training games are going to be delayed until March 5th, and that's pretty optimistic, even if a deal were to be reached Today, They also are going to have another bargaining session on Monday. That's what's been reported. And there are some people who believe that there is now a stronger sense of urgency on both sides to get something done. We shall see. I was on Twitter this morning and shout out to my man, Michael Bowling, who I used to work with over at Stadium. He he brought up a really good point. You know what's going on right now that if you need your baseball fix, you can get college baseball and college softball. Both of those things are out there. I'm a big proponent of softball becoming a bigger sport than it is because those games are 90 minutes pretty much no matter what. They're exciting. The the stuff that goes on in the SEC and the Pac-12, we got a couple of good college softball teams in the area, Northwestern and DePaul. And, And I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm not getting my spring training fix right now, but this afternoon I can turn on the SEC network and watch Mississippi State baseball or whatever. And if you need that fix, don't be like me and forget that you might be able to find it in another place. Is it completely the same as watching pitchers and catchers report for the Cubs and White Sox? No, but it might give you just a little touch of what you need Some blue skies, some sunshine, and some warmer weather because usually at this part of the college season, most of the games are out west or down south. So this weekend, search it out on Big Ten Network or SEC Network. Baseball and softball for everyone. Yay! We'll talk with Parkins and Spiegel next here on The Score.